Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Say What Again Billy podcast. And in the world of strange news and paranormal news, a giant lace wing was commonly found in eastern North America, but mysteriously disappeared in the 1950s. And this giant bug found at a Walmart identified as a Jurassic insect. So this is another case of something from the past that we thought to be extinct being found in random places. And this particular insect was found inside of a Walmart. Future of Ford cars could repossess themselves if you miss a payment. Ford is trying to get its electric vehicles, if you miss a payment, to actually drive themselves back to the place of purchase. And this is going to go on to a future episode, something I've touched on on a previous episode, but part of the reason or conspiracy on why companies and the government wants you to buy electric cars is it makes it a hell of a lot easier to do particular things. And joining me on today's podcast episode, yet again, my good friend, Joey Ayala. Joey, welcome to the podcast. Good to be back, Billy. Thanks for having me again. So we're going to get into something that I have yet to touch on. Three seasons into the Say What Again, Billy podcast, one of the most iconic talking points of paranormal is the Bermuda Triangle. And I cannot believe that almost 100 episodes in, I have not touched the Bermuda Triangle story. But there's actually a particular reason why I am getting into the Bermuda Triangle on the 99th episode of my podcast. And that's to really, I'm actually going to get into a story to bring up to the point. This past week, I was at a restaurant in Westchester. And I have a good friend that I befriended during high school. He was a former teacher of mine. We became friends and kept our friendship up to this day. And he was telling me a story. He was like, oh, how's your podcast going? I says, you know, it's going good. So I was like, you know, I just did an episode uh, with my friend Joey about the Seraphim of Saqqara. He goes, oh, you do history stuff too? And I'm like, yeah, I do history stuff. And um, he was like, well, I got a story for you. And I was like, okay. So he was like, you ever heard of Flight 19? And believe it or not, I've never heard of Flight 19. Yeah. I've heard of the Bermuda Triangle. I've never heard of Flight 19. So he starts telling me the story that his great uncle was one of the members on the flight that disappeared over the Bermuda Triangle. And I was like, wow, that's a good story. But what really got my attention is something that I actually won't say right now. I'll save it to when we get in, into the story. But it's crazy that one of his relatives was on flight 19, his great uncle. And um, I looked up Wikipedia. I went online and looked up who it was. And it happened to be his great uncle named Sergeant George Panessa. Mm. And he was part of, I believe, 15 or 16 members. I, mean, if you, I don't know the exact. Oh, I believe it's 14. 14. He was part of the 14-man crew of Flight 19 that disappeared right. over the Bermuda Triangle in 1945, December 5th, 1945. Mm -hmm. um, I'll let you take it away, Joe, if you want to tell the audience about... Um, Flight 19 and the, the, the history of it. Yeah, a, a brief little history on Flight 19. Um, uh, December 5th, 1945. Um, Flight 19 was a group of naval, naval officers who embarked on a, uh, I'm guessing... Uh, it was a, from my understanding, a they were torpedo bombers right. and they were going on a 
mock bombing run just in case. I believe this was post World War II. Right. So they were During going a training on a mission yeah. over the Atlantic. Uh, the planes took off from the Naval Air Force in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, the disappearance of Flight 19 is like one of the most iconic. It, it started the whole premise of, of the Bermuda Triangle. Um, I'm more on the skeptical side of Flight 19. I'm more of an optimist on, you know, is there mystery behind the Bermuda Triangle or is there a rational explanation? So what you're telling me is you're Mike and I'm, I'm me today and we're right, going right. to battle it out? All we're right. We're going to battle it out. That's good. That's good. <laughs> All right. That's good. But I like that though because, you know, as I mentioned on other episodes is you have to go into this subject of liking the paranormal and conspiracies right, right. and all. You have to go in there with, with the mindset where you can't believe everything. And I'll be quite frank, I don't necessarily believe every story of the Bermuda Triangle, you know, but what we're going to get into later on when I, you know, I drop the, you know, I guess the bombshell of the episode on, on the, uh, the bombshell of the episode is what really intrigued me about the story. Right. But which is intriguing, like to me as well, because I, I went and I did some research on it and I really couldn't find much on it at all. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they, you know, we'll save it, but yeah. Um, I, I couldn't find anything on it at all. And and when I did type it into certain search engines, nothing really came up about it. Um, but a few theories about what happened to them during Flight 19 was uh, some speculated. So what, wait, let's 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 retrack on something. So because mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that don't know the Flight 19. So we'll 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 take it from they left Fort Lauderdale on a training on a training mission. mission that was supposed to be a mock bombing run. Now. To my knowledge, this was post-World War II. So this was just a a test for them that if, God forbid, something reoccurred, right. that they would know what they're doing. They can go fly and do their torpedo bombing in their torpedo you know, airplanes. Um, as a whole, there was 14 people, but there was, I believe, five airplanes, correct? Mm -hmm. Something along those lines. And they flew out from Fort Lauderdale um, Airport or Naval Facility to... Um, do this test bombing run and they flew out you know out into the ocean and the was i believe there was three or four pilots that were they're flying their their flying time total was well over 100 hours so they were pretty much expert pilots the other batch of these pilots weren't, weren't really they were rookies. They had, I think, twenty hours. They weren't experienced. They were not experienced. And something that it's it's good to bring up now, so we'll get into it later to distinguish. Some of them were were Navy pilots, and some of them were Marine pilots. Mm -hmm. Which the Navy Dif and the Marines always kind of like go to head head yeah. to head, and they have like differences. Yeah. So that so that's that aspect of it. So for the listeners following along, for people who kind of just caught onto the story, like myself, which you know. I know a lot about paranormal, but this was something new to me. So they went out to this mission, and the some some pilots had a combined flight time of over fifty to one hundred hours, and some of them had you know below thirty. Right. And they went out. The mission time for this should have been around the average of two hours, and they were supposed to fly out and then come back to Fort Lauderdale to their you know to land and you know the mission complete. Mm -hmm. And now we can get into the events of which what occurred. Right. So some, uh, they got lost. Uh, some have speculated uh, that the plane might have had uh, been attacked by enemy forces after they lost radio contact. 
um, or that they were victims of some kind of equipment malfunction, compasses going haywire, um, or a natural disaster. Uh, the Bermuda Triangle has been known for a lot of like hurricanes and, and natural occurrences in terms of the ocean. Um, there's another theory that um, there's these um, these geothermal plumes that kind of almost like underwater volcanoes. And what ends up happening is it creates a vortex after it explodes and creates this, you know, windmill. Like a wind, like a water, like a, like a, right. a they water can, they can tor suck tornado. A yeah. Down or it could suck a, a. What's the term for that? Typhoon? Not a typhoon. It's like a. A whirlpool? I don't know. Whirlpools <laughs> in the water. It's something that I know there's a, a term for it when water shoots out. We'll get back to it. But yeah, we get what you're saying. So, um. Let me see if that's that's pretty much. I think that's pretty much all the the theories that they have on what happened. There is a there is a theory that one of the planes. And we'll get into that. I, I did some research on it. One of the planes is speculated to have strayed away and reached land and crashed on land. So at least one of the planes is possible that it didn't end up in the Bermuda. Um, however, there's little evidence to support all these theories. They they literally all vanished without a trace. You know, so it's it's going to be interesting to get into what is the most plausible, uh, logical, yeah. logical explanation of, of what happened to them. I like to go with logical, but there's, there could also be the aspect of paranormal. You know, there's another theory about aliens that, you know, aliens abducted them and took them and they disappeared because they still haven't found the wreckage underwater. And there's been, um, to my knowledge, they haven't found anything, anything except what I'm about to drop. When we get into it. Right, right. So, okay. So, this is what we'll do. Play good cop, bad cop. All right? Yeah. I'll be the paranormal guy, which is the good cop, I would say. Or, you you know, bad cop. And you be bad cop. And you can basically try to debunk. And we'll go devil's advocate. Good old chat GPT right here. Yeah. Go. Shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> That's our toy. <laughs> All right. So... All right, so the first theory that I came up with is that, you know, this is actually kind of logical. So I'm actually siding with you on this. So there's many places around the world that have these very abnormal occurrences, electromagnetic fields, um, the EMF in those areas are so, you know, intense or crazy that it causes compasses and, you know, equipment to malfunction. Now, what people don't know about EMF it's not just something that, okay, well, here's an EMF reading, you know, there's a ghost here. It's that EMF scientifically can play really crazy um, psychological things with you when there's a high, a high um, abundance of it. It could give you headaches. It can disorient you. It can do a lot of things. So if there's a particular area that has high EMF, it's very plausible that these pilots could have started getting headaches and started seeing things and got sick and, and, and crashed. And the, from what I understand, there's recordings of the pilot saying, we lost our compass, we're flying blind. You know, there's the pilot's audio to the, the, the eagle's nest, which right. they would call it. And there is a couple of reports of pilots actually saying, you know, Fort Lauderdale was saying to them, hey, look at the sun, follow the sun at this time of the day. You can see the sun fly past the sun. You'll you'll hit land, and you guys will be above land where you can land anywhere. We'll recover you. And one of the pilots, or a few of the pilots, were were on the radio saying, "We can't see the sun." So, 
whether something paranormal happened or because of the EMF in that particular area over the water in the Bermuda Triangle, they all had so much EMF that they that they, they were in that they were messed up. Like they couldn't see the sun. They they had no compasses. And ultimately something happened, whether they crashed, disappeared, whatever the case, there's that logical ex- aspect of, of right. the story. If they're, if they're lost, it makes sense that they did have some sort of mal, uh, equipment malfunction. And that's been known and, and backdated to like the times of Christopher Columbus. And he wrote in his journals when passing through the Bermuda Triangle um, that they did experience his the compass kind of slightly going northeast and northwest when they were when they were strictly on the same header. Um, he was smart enough to to stay on course the, on course on the route that he was going. Otherwise, you you start to make complete circles, um, and you can get lost within this within this triangle vortex. You know. Yeah. Um, now, there's been a lot of and. I don't know how many they've found. There's there's so many ghost ships on the ocean just traveling at any point in time. But particularly, it could be coincidence that you know they they want to speculate that it has something to do with the Bermuda Triangle. Um, but there's been ships that have been recovered uh, that are just they're ghost ships. There's no one on them, no manned crew. The disappearance of the crew. They know when the ship took off, and when they actually find these ships, it's like oh they thought these ships were sunk but they they end up turning up and there's just no one on them no skeletons no, no nothing no nothing uh, christopher columbus actually wrote in his journals they came across um actually it wasn't columbus um to look it up now would be be too much but i don't know why i'm thinking but this was Nelson this was Mandel. After. i don't know why i'm thinking that name for some <laughs> some crazy reason but god you could laugh i just don't know why the, you know they, i i feel like that was a name of of, of some form of an explorer that, might might have been some sort of Nelson, but Nelson Mandela's like not the yet. Mandela effect. No. Yeah, I don't know why I thought <laughs> of that name for a second. So uh, this explorer, uh, shortly after Christopher Columbus, oh, man, I, I really wish I would have said better notes. But uh, long not story Marco short, Polo, it's, it's, it's no? not really that important. Was it long story short, it, it was around that time. Um, passing through uh, the Bermuda Triangle, they, they came aboard a ghost ship. And the legend goes that some crew members from the ship boarded that ship to see if there was anybody on it. And the ship got away from one another. The tethers got away from one another and the ship ended up traveling out with the crew members still on the boat, still on the boat. And they were trying to find it. Finally, when they reconnected with that boat, the crew members were gone Hmm. and it was, it was, it was pretty much a day there wasn't that much, there wasn't that much lag time, but that could be, you know, just a, a story. I mean, that's the thing. But there's there's some validity to it because all these things kind of keep reoccurring in the Bermuda Triangle to a degree. So there's no doubt about it that there's documented over, you know, somewhere in as estimated between 100 airplanes or 100 boats or both of them combined to make 100 missing vessels. And that's not a coincidence. Now, in you know, it, it feels I feel like within the last 20 years, you don't hear much of the Bermuda Triangle now. I know when I was growing up in the 90s, a popular show, which I'll mention also later, was a show called Sightings. I believe it was on the Sci-Fi channel. Sci-Fi was, you know, one of the newer cable channels when cable TV was, you know, booming in the 90s. And on the show Sightings, that show covered and was one of my favorite shows. It was the first paranormal show I ever watched. That show covered UFO sightings, 
Ghosts, and the Bermuda Triangle, predominantly a lot on their episodes. And believe it or not, what I'll get into in just a bit was on the show sightings. And, you know, Bermuda Triangle was very popular during the 90s, early 2000s. Lately, you know, when we got to like 2012, 2011, you don't really hear about the Bermuda Triangle. It's almost as all the odd occurrences stopped for whatever reason. But it was very popular back then. But nonetheless, 100-something vessels, airplanes, boats combined, missing, something was occurring. Now, I, I was talking about the electromagnetic fields. When the Earth changes and rotates and goes through changes, like we're going through a change right now. Africa is literally breaking apart. The continent's going yeah, to be separated. It's going to be separated. You know, and they don't that know. Crack. Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy. The pictures. It's crazy. It might not happen in our lifetime, but it's it is happening. So the Earth goes through changes, and because the Earth goes through changes, whatever was going on in the Bermuda Triangle, that EMF probably died down, where we aren't hearing reports of it, or it's not being reported, but. Something did happen 20 plus years ago over the Bermuda Triangle for predominantly a long time and has recently kind of stopped. And I believe it's maybe something to do with the EMF. Ghost. Ghost. (laughs) 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 Something just fell in the room randomly. So that's the joke right there. But yeah, that's, that's, that's my belief on that. Now, I'm sure you have some other theories that you can tell everyone listening right now because i have actually i have like two or three that are in the realm of paranormal all right so yours are in the realm of paranormal so um i i actually gave one just now that wasn't that paranormal it was kind of logical the emf thing is is it's pretty logical that's that's very logical that's that's especially since there's a history of things happening with you know electromagnetic fields fields yeah um and that's just not privy to that spot it's there's multiple other spots around the world that weird things happen places in in the desert and i believe arizona and other parts of the country where you know you, you go with your mat your your compass like even skinwalker ranch they take compasses over there and the, the compass will spin you know there's radiation that's coming out of the ground and they don't know what from this is really weird parts of the world that right. these anomalies happen and you know Bermuda triangle is just not one of them so, that being said, uh, there is there is a theory um, that's kind of it's kind of validated because there was animosity between some of the pilots. You know, there's like ranking issues. Um, the commander of the mission, Commander Taylor, I got to get his first name, but uh, his last name is Taylor. Um, you could probably look it up there. I don't know if you have the, the list of the guys. Charles Lieutenant Charles Taylor. Lieutenant Charles Taylor. Um, he. He wanted to keep the crew together as they're as they're losing fuel and losing time. Uh, they didn't know where they were; they were lost. And you can hear them arguing back and forth on the radio before they lost radio contact. But he wanted to drop down to a specific uh, altitude once the first plane of the crew got to a certain fuel gauge. I think like ten gallons or so, or something like that, uh, is, is what I remember. So. It's it's likely because of the animosity between the crew they they were they were at ends with which direction we should go. Um, at some point when they lost radio transmission, there's a theory that um, part of the crew broke off. And there's a specific plane called FT eighty one, which is probably the only one uh, that made landfall because there's a story of a plane 
around that date, December 5th, of a crash. Uh, I forget who reported it, but is it? it's in this really desolate part of Florida. And, and Florida, there's so many, there's places in Florida that, man, like we still haven't gone out there and excavated or, or anything. So if you crash somewhere out there in the wilderness in the Everglades, no one's no one's finding you. You have to you have to try to get out of there yourself. And you're talking, well, especially know, at that especially at that time. Especially at that time, there was there was there was no infrastructure and there was barely any infrastructure in Florida in the in the 40s and 50s. So if you land anywhere in the wilderness in Florida, you're you're trying to trek it out there and survive as best as you can. You know, talking about time with no cell phones, no this, no that, no. So that was FT-81. Yes. So there was on that plane. Who was on that plane? Is is who was on that plane? Well, who on the, who was on that plane? The the pilot was Forrest J. Gerber, and he was a second lieutenant of the United States Marine Corps. And then you had William E. Lightfoot, who was it says here PFC, pilot, first cadet. I would say the acronym is for that, and also the United States Marine Corps. So they were both they were both Marines. And the bureau number for that plane was 46325. And that was flight 81. And then what's also but another thing too that we we forgot to add um is when these these flights so you said there was there was 14 members but there was 1 2 3 4 5 planes with 14 people. They sent another plane looking for them and that was it says here b-u-n-o 59225 i don't know the acronym for that um the pilot for that plane to try to recover them or help them was walter g jeffrey lieutenant jg united states navy usn on that plane was a humongous list of people on the reconnaissance plane or the recovery plane Harry G. Cohn, Roger M. Allen, Lloyd A. Ellisian. I mean, a list of people. That plane, too, disappeared. So that makes it a little crazy because, you know, these guys might have been fighting amongst themselves. You had the radio of them, you know, fighting to, to you know, try to figure out which way we're You're going. You're frustrated. You're in the plane for right. hours. But they sent another plane and that plane disappeared as well. That's why the picture that, that I, I didn't know about. Yes. Ooh, that's one for me. <laughs> so, but yes, they, they sent another plane out and that's why I wanted to add that. They sent another plane out. So regardless of the other planes fighting one another, Marine versus Navy, whatever the case may be, this plane too, they never came back. And when I posted it on my Instagram page, SWAB underscore podcast, I posted the picture of the entire crew. It was a lot of people. That plane disappeared too. So in total, you got what? Five planes mm-hmm. and plus the other one. So six planes disappeared. And one, one of which was not with the crew. Not with the crew. Right. They sent them out because Fort Lauderdale Naval Base, Air Force, they were like, this, these planes, they're flying blind and they're going to be low on fuel. We got to get a plane out there to, to guide them. They sent out another plane. That plane went disappeared so i am on the side of uh commander taylor's orders were probably disobeyed and i i really believe that 
at least one of the planes made landfall. They've they've been making strides, and so there's um there's a there's a profession. It's called an aviation probability analyst, um, and they brought in the best of the best. Her name is she's like the Michael Jordan of this profession. And what they do is they um they try and find downed planes. Um, she's famous for finding the wreckage of flight two 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 seven. Uh, Air France. So after two years of searching for flight 227 Air France, they, it was just futile. They, they couldn't find it anywhere. Um, she was just on for five days, just going over the data when they brought her on the team and she found it. So she's she's got some credibility in the game so what in terms it, of this. does it say or do you recall what she used to find them at that time so or? she she just used the data that was given like when they last lost radio contact when they know that the plane was where the where the plane started to go down first when they you know where it flagged it um you could look into flight 227 i'm so assuming use all these data points by and, coordinates last known whereabouts exactly coordinates what, what, and what then, ley line they were on etc so they use all these, you know, geographical points to try to figure out and pinpoint where this, you know, flight may have landed. And it's a lot of math involved. So they brought her on recently on a special on the History Channel, I believe. And she, um, she's she's part of the team now to try to solve the mystery of Flight 19. Um, so recently, and, and they haven't confirmed or denied it yet, but recently... She came up with some numbers and some analysis of where FT-81 might have landed uh, if it did stray away. So she, they worked through a bunch of probabilities of where all the five planes could have been uh, if indeed one of them strayed away because um, they know that they know for a fact that they were having disputes about what heading they wanted to go on. So assuming that when they lost radio contact some of the planes went on that different heading. Um, one of one or two of the planes may have made landfall. I don't know. I, f I forget the reason why FT-81 might have been that plane, but they specifically singled out FT-81. I believe it's because there was another ranking officer on that ship, and he was the one who was having the dispute with Commander Taylor. So lo and behold, she gives these coordinates of, of where this plane could probably have hit landfall in Florida and they use this the, this new lidar technology where they send up a drone and they survey the land with this lidar and they look for uh in lidar like unnatural anomalies you know something that doesn't something that looks odd that looks almost man-made that's what the lidar is going to really bring out uh and they did they found a few things and what they did find was was a downed plane, and it turns out it was a it was a Navy plane. It's a, a very old plane. From so this didn't happen directly after the. the this is this until this is like years later. This is years later. Yeah, what, like nineties, like, eighties. This, this is like no now. Two, like, oh no, like now. Yeah, okay, wow. Like, yeah, because like, the lidar thing that that's something. This pretty, is just pretty like ten, new. ten yeah. months ago. I was I was yeah. reading about this. Okay, that, that so they're still actively searching. Still actively searching, and it's a possibility that they may have found it. Um, but they have to get permits to dig out the rest of the wreckage. So what they're looking for is a serial number to confirm or deny that this was actually FT-81. Yeah, if they get that serial number, then then, then you will know. Exactly. Some, they all crashed. They all crashed. Uh, and it's So my thing is, if one of them made landfall, 
it really had nothing to do with the Bermuda Triangle except for maybe like disturbances in their instrumentation. The EMF, the right? EMF stuff, yeah. That may have thrown them off course. Um, so that that's probably the only anomaly that I'm seeing with the Bermuda Triangle is that, yes, it, it might do something weird with the compass. And we, and we have seen that, like where compasses go wild near certain rocks. And we've talked about it and... and certain ancient civilizations have created stones that have like magnetic properties which is really weird recently in africa not to like stray off topic but in africa there's a lot of videos coming out something that we have to get into in season four where i saw a video and i i can't say the credibility is you know it's there because you could do a lot with videos and photos but this person took a nail or something made of aluminum or metal looked like a nail and he placed it on this rock the rock absorbed the nail that i gotta see and started to make a black liquid on the rock then there's these obviously africa there's a lot of stuff going on that's really bad from congo to you know all the other spots in africa somalia. With, yeah, yeah somalia um you know you've seen stuff like in tears of the sun you know, digging for diamonds right. and all that stuff. And these kids were finding these rocks. They were mining something. And the kid pulled out this rock. It looked metallic, almost sapphire, uh, sapphire color. And he plugged an attachment to the rock. It lit up the a bulb. This rock was lighting up a bulb. So these are these an anomalies and these these crazy things we're talking about that are all over the place, you know, and it's crazy. Now to get into, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell the story now. So this is what I was holding back because it kind of it's, it's a good time to drop this. So as my friend was talking to me about Flight 19, Joey was saying that if they can get the the VIN number, the ID number of this plane, they will know what happened to. At least one of the at least one of the planes, right? right? Which essentially would mean what? All the planes crashed, right? All the planes crashed, and, possibly. And it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it was something mysterious with the Bermuda Triangle, especially if one of them made landfall, right? So, Joey said that Flight Eight Eighty One possibly was found. They using these high technology to, and if they can get the number, it would validate at least one of the planes crashed. And in my eyes, if that plane crashed and they found it, then the other planes are probably in, in the sea somewhere, which is good luck. Like, yeah, good luck. But my friend, when he was telling me the story of Flight 19, which at the time last week I never heard, believe it or not, he said that his father and I believe his aunt were interviewed for a show called Sightings. Well, he didn't know it was Sightings. I did digging for him to find out. And found it on IMDb. Tried to watch the episode. It didn't happen. It is season one, episode seven. I got to figure out where I can watch the show. Or even get yes, a clip. Or even get a clip of it. I tried. But I found it for him. But he was telling me that he he didn't know the name of the show. And he was his father and his aunt were interviewed. Because they had a letter. Insert scary music here. They had a letter from Sergeant George Panessa who was on airplane FT-36. And the, 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 it was a Western Union telegram that they received. Wait, I don't want to cut you off. Was Panessa 
Navy or Marines. So he was United States Marine Corps. Wow. George George R. Panessa, Sergeant of the United States Marine Corps. So that makes sense because they're saying that that the Marines strayed from the Navy guys, and the Marines were more likely to make landfall. The Marines, maybe the Navy guys, the Marines were landed in the ocean. This flight FT thirty six of Flight nineteen was all United States Marine Corps. Look up FT-81 really quick. Hold on one second. Pulling it up. FT-81. FT-81. Searching. Um, You you gave me the names of who was on it before. I just can't recall. Because it says I have one one hit here. It says record details for FT-81-AR-2 Army Publishing... It's not really giving me anything with airplanes or anything like that. I'm on it. But to continue with that story, um, his family received a telegram. I'm going to pull it up right now so I can read from it. It was Western Union at the time. That's how telegrams were going on in 1945. Now, the disappearance of Flight 19 happened December 5th, 1945. The Panessa family, which received this telegram from Western Union, they received it in Maranac, New York, and it read just two sentences. It said, now, the authorities, the Navy and the Marines and the government were sending the families of all the members of Flight 19 updates. And ultimately, they've, a lot of the families received seven telegrams and saying, unfortunately, we don't know what happened to your loved one and, you know, we're going to keep looking, or we're not going to keep looking, but we don't have them. And the Panessa family got this telegram on December 26th, 1954, which is just like, what, 16, 17-something days, maybe? Later. My math's not great. Give or take. On December 26th, 1954, and they got this letter, three sentences. It says, you have been misinformed about me. Am very much alive Georgie which was George Panessa's nickname Georgie got this letter on December 26th now that is to this day to my knowledge the only piece of evidence from anyone in flight 19 that made it past you know the disappearance right and that was it and they were interviewed on the show sightings my friend's uh, father and his aunt, I believe, about this letter. And of course, there's controversy because, you know, it's basically saying you got a a letter from someone that's never been found. They're presumed deceased. The wreckage was never found. And, you know, there's theories that the government might have sent this letter to console or keep the hopes alive. Or it was sent out you know, prior to the disappearance, but they did in fact get this letter. And it was a topic of not only the show sightings during the 90s, as I said, season one, episode seven, but it was on the History Channel, I believe History's Mysteries, because it's literal, you know, I'm showing a camera, literal proof that they did in fact, right. you know, get, receive a letter. A letter. And who would do that if it, if it wasn't him? So yeah. I interviewed my friend who told me the story, you know, on the phone, uh, a couple of days later, I says, do you think that the government would send 
a letter, you know, even though it wasn't, you know, your great uncle. And he would, he said, well, it would make that worse, wouldn't it? You know, you, Why this, you this that? whole event happened, doesn't look good, doesn't sound good that, you know, that what happened, they, they were, you know, lost, lost radio signal at one point, lost the compass, flying blind, all the transmissions were them in, you know, in, in some kind of turmoil. You know, why would they do that? It would make it worse. You give the family hope. But this was it. That was, they received that. And it's, that falls into me, in my eyes, you know, mystery, conspiracy, what happened. And, you know, really want to be crazy paranormal because I'll tell you a theory that I have that's not too much of a theory anymore. It's becoming a very popular topic of conversation. Now, I wonder if it's the only telegram because I did find this and this was the only information I could find on the telegram. It says there have been no telegrams of survivors of flight 19 of all the members. Uh, it says, however, there have been claims of the telegrams. There have been claims of telegrams from other communications allegedly sent by crew members after the disappearance of flight 19. These claims are typically based in hearsay or unverified accounts and there is no concrete evidence to support them well so i mean they they used plural they said telegrams so there have been i mean is this the only one are there more i see that i can't answer all i know is it was such a interesting you know thing that happened that they got this from someone that was on the flight and right. it was so interesting that it made it to a TV show years later. I'm talking about years later, 90s. Where this happened in 1945. Right. December this, this is why you can't find much on it. Yeah, and this and and that's why I wanted to do this episode not only for Flight 19, but this is a piece here that hasn't been talked about at all on any kind of social media, TikToks. You know, everyone's focused on giants and aliens and UFOs. That this is something. You know, take the paranormal aspect out of it. It's something historical that hasn't been touched on right. since since the History Channel. I don't know when they did that episode. I don't know, you know, if it was histories, mysteries, or whatever. But sightings did an episode on it. And sightings was predominantly paranormal and you know spooky stuff. Mm -hmm. They interviewed, and they don't know from what I recall from my friend telling me they don't know where this came from, and it had his name on it, and they received it. Weeks after the disappearance, but nothing was ever found. They didn't find him. They didn't find the others. You know, you have the presume they might have found the flight, what, 18? Uh, 81? Right. 18, 81. But nothing has been concrete. This, they are MIA, presumed DOA. So here, here's my question to you. What do you think happened? And you want to go with the, go with the paranormal side if you're going to go well, that, that route. I, I I give you I'll give you both. You I, I I think the EMF thing did happen. I think that's very plausible. Right. And I, like I said, I I'm here to debunk before I I don't go to. We went to Van Cortland Park together, right? We were baffled right. for like for a minute, for an hour and a half. We were walking. We did three four miles that night, easy, maybe three. Baff baffled that we couldn't <laughs> figure out what that was because we were like beginning of the of the trail while we were looking for Native American ghosts. We were like, fireflies aren't white, right? We're seeing these white lights, right? So I said, we got to figure out what it is. And I didn't say it was a ghost right away, they right? Were big though, it didn't seem like that. right. That's why it, it freaks but out. As my witness, did I once say 
this is a ghost. Yeah, yeah. No, no I never did because I like to debunk things. And at the end, very end, as we're walking back, like maniacs in Van Cortlandt Park at 12 o'clock at night, we, you found the light. And I, and I, do, man. I know. <laughs> and I said, Joey, put the light on. Let's see what it is. And we were like, ah, oh, a firefly. But I never once said, it's got to be ghosts, right? Because we could have walked away from that. And said, been like, oh, we never yeah, figured out what it was. We never figured out what it was. And right. everyone would have thought. But I, in my opinion, there's parts of the world, reiterating here, that have these weird occurrences. And EMF is something that can really mess you up. You know, if you have loose wires or you, you, know, you stand in front of a microwave consistently, it's going to do things to your mind. And if the Bermuda Triangle is a you know, scientific anomaly where there's electromagnetic fields that are at a large rate there that are just an abundance of it. When planes go over and they fly over a certain part of that triangle where there's the most EMF, shit is going to happen. Right. And I think that's a very plausible, you know, theory on what happened. These pilots hit that part of the triangle. They lost their compass. They started getting their, you know, the, the EMF, you know, I guess EMF, disease or what's the good word to use emf sickness right and they ultimately crashed because they were it's like a vertigo maybe yeah like they lost their equilibrium but also you could for being in a plane that long and these are propeller planes like you could you could easily feel vertigo or sickness for a long oh. extensive period of time in planes plane. back then they're not it's not a smooth ride it's yeah like it's not propeller plane i first of all if i ever saw like going on a vacation somewhere and I had to go island hopping, and they told me to get on a propeller plane. I'd be like, no, thank you. Uh, I was recently on a Cessna, and well, about a year ago now. Um, my, you know, and it'd be good to get his perspective. Maybe we could touch on this, like in a, like another episode, just like do a real quick touch up on on this episode. My my fiance's uh, father is a pilot. So he might have some good insight on what could have happened. You yeah, know, we, we could always do a follow up episode because I would love to interview pilots. You know, anyone that can see things that we, we talk about, you so know, I, I will say like on a Cessna, those, those propeller planes, those small planes, like on days, he was explaining to me on days where it's really hot. Um, I guess the air gets choppy and you get these pockets and there's a lot of turbulence, nah. uh, but we went on like a fairly cool night. So there wasn't, you know, it was a pretty steady ride, but you do feel it. You do feel a little like, Ugh. I took some, some Dramamine before I went up. Yeah, no, I'll pass. Anything on a propeller? I don't even like regular planes, and they're supposed to be, you know, the safest way to to fly. And I, 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 I went to St. Martin for a month at one point in my life, a month. And there's planes that take you to other little islands where you can explore. And when I was out there, one of my people I was staying with out there, one of my friends was like, hey, you want to go to this island? It's like a volcano and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, sure. How do we get there? And they were like, oh, there's a boat. But the boat comes every three hours or whatever. And then there's a propeller plane. I was like, not going. Not waiting three hours. Not going on a propeller plane. Absolutely not. And then my other theory about this, and I'm going to try to make you, uh, you know, side with me here because I know you like looking into a lot of stuff. I've been doing a lot of research on the Egyptian stuff and, you know, all these things that, you know, those, you know, to an average person, that sounds loony, right? Right. right. Vibrations moving 70 ton stones. But... Albert Einstein himself gave like a formula and a theory that there's this thing called interdimensional wormholes and, and you can go back in time and go to like this Earth 1, Earth 2 and all this stuff. And there may be parts of the world that can open up that window or a wormhole. 
And it's a possibility. And now this is the long shot. This is the, the second one. I'm going to go with the EMF one, but I'm just giving this theory. There's a possibility that as those pilots flew that day, at that particular time, mm-hmm. they went through something. And that's why their, comp- their compasses failed. That's why their audio was in and out. That's why they couldn't see the sun. Mind you, that day was a crystal clear day in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, when they flew out. The weather only started to turn towards the end of their flight. They were out there for, you know, predominantly good weather. Right. Okay. Because they wouldn't send these guys on a training mission, especially the ones that don't have the flying time, on a, on a day where it's raining. You know, there's, there's flights get canceled now for rain and snow. They wouldn't send these rookies out mm-hmm. with the veterans. It's a possibility that something opened up and took them. Like um, Lost or... The Upside Down, Stranger Things. Upside Down and the show Lost that was short-lived. Now my question is, how did the telegram get sent out? That's another thing. It kind of reminds me of Stranger Things. It's like a, if he's in the Upside it's a Down. Very, it's a very good was possibility he able, was he able to... that out of the 15 or 20 X amount of people that were on Flight 19, mm-hmm. he was able to send the telegram. Now... Not necessarily an upside down, but he, you know, this wormhole theory, this time elapse thing, it's a very big possibility that he figured out how to do it and send it from whether he went back in time or forward in time and he was able to send it because they got it on December 26th, 1945, which was, you know, December 5th to the, to, to the 26th. Short amount of time. 17, 16 days, some, something crazy like that. I'm, like I said, Matt's not good off the top of I wonder mind. where this telegram is now. Somebody still has it. My friend Frank claims it's in his house. He took, that's the picture of it. Oh, he, he, he sent he you ha- a, a, a... Yeah, the black... And he, I believe he has the original and the copy. Like his father was literally on two television shows. If you go to IMDB, I don't know if I saved it. Um, It might be in my email. Hold on. I sent him the IMDb episode of Sightings, right? Um, let me go link to the episode. I'm going to his. I'll le- I'll read this article real quick. It's this is from Express. dot com. dot uk. I'm alive. Bermuda Triangle missing plane pilot presumed dead sent eerie telegram. A missing pilot presumed to have died after vanished in the Bermuda Triangle sent an eerie telegram to his family saying, I'm alive, which is false. I have the, I have the telegram. It mm-hmm. didn't say that. According to the documentary, the Bermuda Triangle is an area of sea. We know that. Uh, claimed the 50 vessels and 20 aircrafts. Um... One of the most legendary Bermuda Triangle disappearances ever recorded is Flight 19, 1945. New search efforts are on the way. I'm, I'm breezing through it right here. Mm-hmm. In the episode, okay, here we go. In the episode one, in episode one of the History Channel United States program, historical investigators David O'Keefe, you can Google them maybe if, while we're doing this, David O'Keefe and Wayne Abbott assesses a key piece of evidence for the theory that one Flight 19 crew member survived, a telegram from Flight 19 radio man, Sergeant George Panessa, was sent to his family after they learned of his apparent death. The chilling message read, 
You have been misinformed about me. Am very much alive. Georgie, the message was sent to the Panessas in December 1945 as families prepared to reunite after World War II. The family received several telegrams from the authorities during this period before apparently getting one from Georgie himself. The family had been told that George had gone missing and later the search efforts for him had been called off that he was dead. However, on Boxing Day, the family then received a telegram that appeared to be from George. In the documentary, Mr. O'Keefe and Mr. Abbott traveled to the suburb, suburb of New York to meet Bill Panessa, George's nephew. Bill presents the investigators with a series of documents and photos from his uncle's time in the Marines. He says the one telegram that telegram that threw everybody for a loop was on December 26th. My uncle Joe received the telegram. It's a bit strange. George was my dad's brother. George was the youngest of brothers. My dad was in the army. George was in the Marines, flight aviator, gunner, and bomb, uh, bombardier. So it, it goes on and on. But basically, this was on um, this show, and this guy, uh, what's his name, uh, O'Keefe, right? was one of the people that did this documentary. And the documentary is actually here. I could send you the link. I, I believe Keith, he's I, a historian. I, got I believe right you can press play and you'll see it. And in the IMDB that I that I looked up, it you could see my friend's father giving the story on the show sightings. And this is just another show. So there was multiple shows that heard about this and interviewed the Panessa family. And whether or not he sent it from back in time through a wormhole... Now you, a, now, you know what I'm going to say, because I know people are thinking it. Now, is there some kind of monetary gain to be made from, uh, I don't mean to discredit anybody's family, but the Bermuda Triangle after that, years later, became a topic of discussion after Flight 19. There's people who have made millions of dollars off of books about the Bermuda Triangle. From, I see. I see what you, you see. You see where I'm going? Like setting this up to be a moneymaker using these flight 19 right. as the but if they have an original tele it it almost doesn't make sense like you hold that information for like 50 years and then decide now's the time that we're going to put this information out you know what i i don't i can't speak I'm not I, gonna... it's not a story actually to be honest with you, i didn't really go in depth asking him it's just it came up later on i guess in the in the 80s or 90s like hey you know we had this telegram and this is what happened i i think at that time it was so much question. The family just left it as something in limbo. But, you know, I, I don't know. And it's something right. I, so I, it doesn't, I... It doesn't make sense. But I, I can tell you right now, the, as, for the family, and I, I know my friend Frank for years, you know, they wouldn't... There's nothing to gain from it. You know what I mean? No. There, there's no. There's nothing to gain from it. They're, they're living in a nice neighborhood. They they have everything. They're peaceful. You know what I mean? Maranek, New York is where the Panessa family, where the, where the letter was sent. Right. You know, it, to, to the household there. There's nothing to gain from no it. No book now, was ever written about it. I'm sure books were written about it. No, I'm, well, the telegram. Not the telegram? Not to my knowledge. And I and I went on a tear researching Yeah, I couldn't find anything for, either. For so days. I, the, the, so nothing was gained off this there's telegram. There's some legitimacy to the telegram not being some kind of like hoax that they perpetrated, right? So especially if they have the actual telegram and, they, and it's dated back and somebody can verify that this and thing it, is that old. And it's in their lineage. Like they... This is legitimately their down. family. This is this is his. This is George Panessa. This was their great. This is my friend's great uncle. You know, there's literal documentation on every website about who was on that flight. His right. name is there. It's to me. This is why I wanted to talk about it. Not only for the aspect of the Bermuda Triangle, but this is like 
you know, knowing someone personal that personally that was involved in something that literally sparked the story of the Bermuda Triangle is to me was mind boggling. Right. Especially since you do what you do with the podcast. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I, when he told me this, I was like, you should have told me this three seasons ago. You know, I, I <laughs> like I would have did it, you know, but I'm glad it happened now because, you know, is you know, beginning the beginning of the podcast. It's picking up now. It's picking up now. And I was a rookie back then and I'm you know, still kind of new to it, but it's a good good story for right. at this point in time. We're going to take a momentary pause to get another segment in, so just stand by. And we're back, so we broke it up into segments because we are talking longer than previous episodes of the Say What Again Billy podcast. So what do you think about that that wormhole theory, Job? I mean, that's something that Einstein himself said. It's a possibility, and it's been a very big topic lately in, in, in the world of, you know, history, archaeology, and even like social media and paranormal, that the wormhole thing is a, you know, a possibility. Right. I, and I don't know, I can't speak to exactly, you know, what wormholes Einstein was talking about. Maybe he's talking about the... Not, maybe not necessarily wormholes, but, you know... Like space wormholes or just like the vortices in the Earth? Different just... Earths, different, like, literal, like, flesh and, and you know, Ant-Man type stuff. Right. Uh, so I think theoretical physicists are, like, of the belief that there are multiple universes. So it could make sense, but... Like if there's a crack in the in the fabric of space time somewhere on Earth, or some kind of like anomaly allows you to just when you're flying through somewhere or boating through somewhere, yeah, you fall into it and boom, the next thing you know, you're you're in a different universe. So I'm gonna tell you something real quick. So I I mentioned um, I think it's Paranormal Files on YouTube, and I watched an episode because I had heard about the Superstition Mountains on something I was watching on TV. And um, it's inter- it's interesting story that correlates with this. So, um, on the I think it's Paranormal Files. You know, I'm sorry if I'm butchering the the YouTube channel, but they have a, a really good video about Superstition Mountains. They hire this, and I've told the story before. They they hire this this expert hiker, you know, and he his job is to lead tours through Superstition Mountains, and he says that he will not dare. Go to Superstition Mountains when the sun is about to go down. It's dangerous. There's, you know, take take away the wildlife, the multitude of venomous snakes, even reptiles. It's dangerous terrain, and he refuses to go at night. I don't blame him. But he has these weird stories that take place in Superstition Mountains in Arizona. One of those stories that he told that's resonating with me right now, for the purposes of, this, of the purposes of this episode, is he had. A story of a man that was going around Superstition Mountain just exploring. And he claimed that he had seen a portal open up. Now, again, this is one of the areas in the world where these phenomenon happen. And he claimed that he saw something open up and he looked at it and it was just like a white light. He couldn't see anything in, couldn't see anything out. And he, he dabbled with it. He took rocks and he would throw it into the light. The rocks would go through. Nothing would come out the other side. It was going through this portal, right? And what ended up happening is he went back to the same spot. And apparently it was happening in the same vicinity all the time, frequently. 
and he brought a chicken with him. And what he was going to do was he was going to tie the chicken to the rope and throw the chicken through and see if he can pull the chicken out. Because all the other times he was there, he was throwing rocks through it and the rocks were, were gone. He was throwing them. They weren't coming out the other side of this light. It was almost like a doorway. But when he threw the rocks through, it would go and disappear, vanish. Not coming out the other side, nothing. So he brought this chicken to the spot, tied the rope around the chicken, and he waited. It never happened again. And this is a story that he claims that this guy was seeing on a, on a, on a, on a daily basis. And then when he was trying to do the chicken test, the thing never opened up again. But he was very adamant that this person was telling the story that was, you know, was a you know legit story right my, my only problem with it is if they're if they did go into a different dimension let's just go down that rabbit hole for a bit how did he send the telegram out if you're in a different dimension now you're you're physically in an alternate universe so to speak well, right the kids from stranger things did it with holiday lights and and yeah, right and, and you know i mean i'm not gonna use a, a science fiction tv show but, but it's based in reality sometimes the truth is uh you know that Fiction is just you know, as, as strange as the if truth. You really so. want to get technical and deep, and I'm not the smartest person by a stretch, but what the radio signals and the photos that we get from the Land Rovers and satellites, in essence, are days and hours and months old, yeah? Right. You know, we're, we're getting pictures from Mars, air quotes, because I have speculation on some things, but <laughs> we're getting these pictures from Mars, these radio signals from other galaxies and stars, right? We're, mm -hmm. we, you know, at Planet, least at least now, even yeah, at least once every other month, we're getting signals from a star system, and can't be explained. You know, we have to determine whether it's intelligent or whether or the star just sending out signals itself, because right, right, right. now stars can create radio radio signals, which is news to me. But in essence, we're getting it. And it's those signals are from light years away, which in essence is years ago, right? By the time it gets to us, some of the stars in the sky, the light we're seeing is light that was from the star, you know, years ago. Like the star's gone, but we're still seeing the light, something to that extent. So, really, in theory, you know, the stars and the the, the radio signals and the pictures that we're getting from planets and comets are in essence days and years and months old. So why can't this theory on Earth be a logical theory? So if now we're talking about like time travel. Now, if he goes back in time, I don't know how long Western Union's been around. I that's a great question, man. Because you know and, and it are they are they able to They're date? still around. I, yeah. I mean this commercials I just the, the telegram was uh I, like a, a really is is there something i wonder if there's something on the telegram maybe you could uh, take a look at the telegram is there something on the telegram to show when it was sent out you know what dude i'll, I'll hand my phone over to you it's um top left corner it says class of service this full rate telegram or cablegram unless it's deterred character is in to indicated by a suitable symbol above the preceding address um, has presidents the times names of the of the company and it has a, it has an index of symbols DL day letter NT overnight telegram LC deferred cable because you can cable tap at the time a message that you want to send right so 
if he was tapping into something from another realm to hey send his letter that's you know and um i like the time travel theory better yeah, it says if the, they did go into some kind of vortex. The filling time shown in the dateline of Telegram and Day's letter is standard time at point of origin. Wait, say that again? It says at the very top. The filing time shown in the dateline on Telegram and Day letter is standard time at point of origin. Time of receipt is standard time at point of destination. It goes on to read WM2410 equals NA, not announced, I believe that means, Jacksonville, Florida, December 26, 1015 A, which is most likely 1015 AM. Mm -hmm. CPL Joseph Panessa, which is the recipient, and the letter reads, uh, no, it says Joseph Panessa equals Marine Barracks 8th and I South Southeast equals. You have been misinformed about me. Am very much alive, and then it, he has a picture of the envelope it was sent in. It's a wild shit, dude. Like literally wild. Yeah, this is. I mean, so I I looked it up really quick, and Western Union has been around since the eighteen hundreds. This happened in the nineteen forties. So if he if he went through some kind of vortice and time traveled back into and the eighteen hundreds, tapped it. You know, it said here you could like tap the. The letter, and I don't know, because this is like you know, back in World War One, World War Two days, things were you could, it was tapping, plugging phones, and and now you could send this this telegram via phone. I wonder, I wonder how Western Union worked back then. That'd be a good thing to to, to look up. Yeah, I see. I didn't go in depth with this. I was I was doing my best for probably like three days straight, looking up the Flight Nineteen story. All right, looking up things about George Panessa. You know what it reminds me of? Uh, you ever see Back to the Future where uh, it's in part two where Marty's in – they go – in part two, they end up back in the 50s. They have to go back to the 50s to fix the timeline. They have to stop Biff from doing his whole thing. And it reminds me of when the DeLorean disappeared and now Marty's stuck in the 50s again. He's like, like fuck, I'm stuck here. And then he sees a guy – in a car and he shines the lights on him and he goes it's doc he, right no it's not doc it wasn't it, doc it, it's just it's just it's a guy it's just a strange guy in a top hat and he, he walks over to him and he goes i have something for you and he, like marty like goes like he's gonna get shot or something he puts his hands in front of his face and uh he pulls out a telegram and he says it's a western union he's like and it's dated from the 1800s we had bets whether you'd be here or not hmm. looks like i lost and then he hands him the telegram and it's it's Doc, and he's in the Old West in the 1800s. This kind of reminds me of that, because what if it was sent from the 1800s into the 1950s? That, yeah, I, I this is... It, very, just, it rung a light bell. I was like, I've heard this story before. You know, it's it's crazy, because movies come up with these things somehow, some way. You know what I mean? And, and a lot of... Well, my, my other friend, Joey, who's going to be on next week for the 100th episode... Um, he's one that wrote the music and helped me out with the, the music aspect and a couple episodes regards to the Ghostbuster reviews. He says, you know, a lot of movies and TV shows like The Simpsons say some stuff, you know, right. literally in our face and then stuff starts happening. You know what I mean? And The Simpsons is notorious for stuff like that. It's a good possibility that Back to the Future, you know, there's 
truth to it. I mean, obviously it's radical ideas from directors, but you know, right. that what you just mentioned is essentially what we're talking about. We don't know, but you know, that telegram, when he showed me that, you know, I, I actually was at lunch with him when he was telling me this and he was, I was with a friend, um, my friend Angelo, who probably thinks I'm a nut job. He, you know, he's a, a Italian, you know, one of the Italian guys, Jersey Shore looking guy, drives a nice car, goes to the gym. Paranormal and ghost stuff is not his forte. So I kind of just put the whole conversation that me and Frank just had, Frank Panessa, in my pocket. When I went home, I was like, this dude just told me some really good podcast-esque story. Right. And I ended up calling him, actually texting him that night and saying, I need to see this letter. Because at that night, it woke me up. I couldn't go to sleep. And I started putting on YouTube you know, shows just to see, if you could just find to see like the Flight 19 because I didn't know about it. There's a lot of things that I don't know about. You know, I'm talking about paranormal conspiracies. Right. So there's a lot of stuff I don't know. I didn't know this. Heard of the Bermuda Triangle. Not something that really grabbed my attention, really. But this whole story, even this telegram aspect, was the origin of the stories of the Bermuda Triangle. Right. And it's mind-boggling. And the telegram thing is, you know, we're sitting here trying to debunk it. And, and, and So, although I like, I like the, um, the paranormal aspect of the story, and I do like to go down those rabbit holes because it's interesting. Everybody likes the unknown, right? Like mystery is what keeps, you know, humans intrigued about everything in life. Um, it'd be a boring world if we just knew everything right off the bat. You know, there'd be nothing to, to talk about. You know, what if everybody knew everything, there'd be nothing to talk about. So I do I do like that idea, but I do have a more plausible um, explanation. And what if all right so he was a marine and the reason why i, I was mentioning um ft-81 earlier was because if ft-81 made landfall and it crashed and they survived or at least a couple of them survived it's possible that they made it back to civilization somewhere and he was able to send out a telegram but for whatever reason decided to remain you know a mystery decided to like disappear from from existence you know and maybe be so under pur purposely purposely be under some other kind of uh, under you know other kind of alias maybe they had like some financial problems or maybe they stole some money and, and this was a whole plot to like to get away with it and just disappear like or if we're dead nobody's looking for us kind of thing like i mean is that's just speculation that's a whole new other theory that i don't even have anything to back but like it sounds like a movie like Right, they disappear, but why do people disappear? Sometimes people disappear because they want to disappear. They want to disappear. You know? And, you know so with that you, conversation, you can get into people faking their, their deaths. Their death, exactly. very... so, so did this entire crew fake their death or a portion of this crew fake their death, right? Like maybe the Marines knew where they were going the whole time. They were more the, they were more of the experienced flyers and decided to, all right, now we're gonna go off on our heading. We've we've confused each other enough. Let's Let's go a different way from where the Navy guys are going. Left the Navy guys out to dry, but decided, all right, we landed our ships. Maybe one of them did crash, right? We we know it's a possibility that they may have found one. They got to verify it. They still have to do some more digging. Yeah, just grab that for a second. Yeah. So we get both in there. Well, I mean, this is this is the crazy thing on this on this, right? 
we we know and i don't want to say it like that but we know that our government and military they do some things that are unorthodox right is it possible during post-world war ii that this was the setup like you said of something that is a money-making scheme and it all started with flight 19 you know like we're gonna make was it on purpose right did the did the marines and in, in the naval the people in power of the navy know that we send flight 19 this way we know things happen here they're gonna go missing and then we can run with a story mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of theories that you can come up with still to this day though if george panessa sergeant george panessa you know whoever the powers that be wanted these people doa right we're gonna run with the story we need them to be gone we can't find them and he reached out and says you've been misinformed i'm very much alive it was only three sentences did he and do he that to give no other did he do that to just hey i'm alive was he married good question i gotta ask my friend about that because if he's a single guy he has more of a reason to disappear but if he's got family it doesn't make sense that but at that time you know post-war you know the united states they obviously spent tons of money right trying to find them you know all that they, no but i'm just saying like they spent tons of money you know you we worried about this like you know we just went to war and it's mm-hmm. like recovery now like you know it's celebration war is over we won you know like what was the purpose of of, of this why would but he reached out right so something happened like they told him stay gone but he reached out come find me that was his way of maybe saying hey it's your job to come find to come find me and his his last known whereabouts are somewhere in the bermuda triangle and or fort lauderdale florida right you know and you know world war ii people there's not a diamond dozen between that still alive you know what i mean right and and just to to go on the um on the side of caution uh i think i read that the bermuda triangle is responsible for 0.02 percent of all disappearances in the ocean which is very very low so from like a scientific point of view relatively nothing happens in the bermuda triangle as comparatively to the entire world like planes and and boats they go missing all the time now there's other triangles as well it's not just the bermuda triangle there's a there's another triangle i think it's uh off the coast of japan it's called the dragon's triangle or something like that but yeah you know is it that people bring lore to these you know instances in history and they run with it or is there some validity to you know the bermuda triangle we didn't really go deep into the bermuda triangle because there's other disappearances i think it's something like uh we're in the hundreds of disappearances so in wiki, the bermuda wiki, triangle. when i when i when i did it real quick wiki basically said that it was 80 right something along the lines of 80 and um you know i i don't know once once a place one site says 100 one says 80 but it was combination of um boats and planes you know so i guess you're you're right mathematically when things started happening which was around 1945 to now 2023 you said it's 0.2 of disappearances give or take right it just it's minuscule it's almost nothing it's almost like you don't need you, you wouldn't even put like if you just looked at the data and you looked at how many disappearances occur in that area you wouldn't put any stock into like let me investigate what's going on in this area because it's it's so minute in terms of so where boats and planes disappear crazy crazy thing you know we talk about the uh 
you know, disappearing acts. And, and, and this is obviously a, a naval marine fleet air, aircraft disappearing. Have you heard about, and I just heard about this one. So and this is the algorithms of TikTok telling me this. Have you heard about the Philadelphia Project? Some of it. So it's, a, it's. I think the Stranger Things is based on the Philadelphia experiment to a degree. So this is so this is crazy. So I, it's it's unfounded to say it's just a story, just like the the giant in Afghanistan. It's an unfounded story, right? But it basically says that this day the Navy tried to do a test, right? Now, but this is but even though it's unfounded, the feedback that the military gave after hearing the story is is like wait a second, you actually gave feedback about this. So the story goes, in a nutshell, paraphrasing here, that the, the Navy had, uh, the boat was called the Philadelphia or something like that, and it was off the waters of, I guess, Pennsylvania or somewhere in a naval yard, and a green fog appeared around everybody in the ship and the boat. And somewhere in Maryland, the boat vanished in, in the boatyard. And in Maryland somewhere, or Virginia, people saw the boat. But they saw the boat 10 minutes before it disappeared in Philadelphia. Mm. And they, they saw it for, for a second, but they saw it before the disappearance. So, like, let's say the boat disappeared in Pennsylvania at 10 o'clock a.m. People in Virginia or Maryland, wherever it was, saw the boat at 9.55 or 9.50 a.m. Or PM. You know what I mean? Like right. they saw it before. Then the boat reappeared and they said the claims were when they went back on this boat that the people on the boat were either sick, dead, or bonded to the ship. Like they were literally combined with the ship. Oh, wow. And again, this is an unfounded story, but the ship supposedly vanished, went to another location. Now we touched on, you know, it going into a different d dimension or a different universe or a different world or you know earth one earth, earth two we didn't even touch on aliens which was a big thing world war ii that was the the first first known report of the foo fighters right right the foo fighters came about not the band legitimate foo fighters that's what they were called this, this, this pilot explain. saw something in the skies during the time of world war ii and named it the foo fighters we're not even talking about ufos we didn't even touch on, um, you know, what if this 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 fleet, the Flight 19, what if they they didn't go into an interdimensional? What if they teleported? What if they found a wormhole that took them somewhere else in the world? You know, that's another theory, like, you know, a time jump. Again, all these factors in science, like really smart people. I think even Tesla dabbled in the idea of, of you know, go, uh, using... Uh, force and electricity to go somewhere else or something to that extent right very very intelligent minds talked about this type of stuff yeah so i i want to be on the uh i want to be on the paranormal side but my my mind goes to like there's a reason why he wanted to remain missing if he indeed is still alive and sent out that telegram if, if he did, if that was him. If a couple of planes hit landfall, and if it was him, and he did figure out how to survive, and he got out of the bush of of some remote area in Florida, which is crazy in and of itself, 
The Everglades, I know you mentioned the Everglades. It's it's big. I, I but don't the even chances... know if it was the Everglades, but it's it's an area that's kind of like the Everglades. It's just a lot of forest. Yeah. Every place, every state has areas like that. And on Jersey has the Pine Barrens. And Pine Barrens in New Jersey, and it's not far from us, is the part of southern Jersey, which is just legit forest. And that's apparently where the uh, Jersey Devil is. You can get lost and never come out of the, that yeah. place, and they won't find you for years. Especially if you're playing... You know, went down somewhere in Florida where it's undiscovered. And at that time, 1945, you know, we think, you know, that's young in the United States. You know, you go around the entire 50 states, there's parts of that were never built on. You know, yeah. we're, we're to this day, we're still finding stuff. No, I mean, if if you watch the documentary on, um, I'll send it to you, that they recently did on Flight 19. They actually went out to that remote area where the plane might have been. We're talking about it's it's hundreds of square miles of just nothingness. Like you're talking about the airplane eighty one or eighteen FT eighty one, yeah, FT eighty one. Florida, there's so many desolate spots of Florida that nobody's ever been, and you it's just remote. It's so remote that people can't access it. Um, but they it just it turns out it just so happened that where this plane may have landed was, was somewhat accessible for them to get to. And they right where they thought they would find a plane is, is where they did. So um, this, uh, this aviation expert, Colleen Sterling, she, she was spot on. And if anybody's going to find it, she's going to find them. And she'll, she'll probably eventually, I want to say that they'll find if she's on it now, it, it's probably been a little bit more. It's been about 10 months since that clip was, was put to YouTube. And if she's been on it for 10 months, she found Flight 227 Air France in five days. I mean, granted, there was more data. She's working with limited data now because this is from the 40s. So she's got to go on like hearsay. So mm. she's probably got a lot of different um, points of where the plane could have went down or planes could have went down. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. And this is more for my friend, whether he wants to dabble in this or not. I'm going to try to reach out to this Colleen... Sterling, Sterling woman via email, and with my friend Frank, who's uh, the great nephew of George Panessa, and explain to her what he has, the family history, and maybe try to you know get her to be on board with not only looking into Flight Eighty One, the plane Eighty One, but looking into the plane that that he was on. That he was on, right? Where you know, where did his go? Because I'm sure she's like probably working out. The numbers of where all the it's five planes, planes may have been in that vast area is assuming they they spread apart right and, and didn't stay together they didn't fight so so let's go through the theories we had time travel interdimensional uh a feud between navy and marines um splitting apart splitting apart right emf and then we had the whole paranormal aspect of it via the telegram so to, to, you know, we're coming almost to an end here. What what would be a a, um, a valiant conclusion for this? It is an enigma for sure and a mystery that may not ever be solved. But there are real good professionals now working on the trajectory of you know where these planes may have went. And I think it's good that we're talking about it to bring some light to it because people have stopped talking about it over the years. It happened so long ago. Was seventy-eight years ago, right? World War Two era, right? Mm -hmm. so we're we're closing in on. Am I almost, right on that, man? Yeah. All right, yeah, closing in on almost a hundred years, and and no one's really actually spent any kind of 
your monetary resources to try to find uh, these these planes. You know, what's unfortunate is that stories like this is it, it's you know there are a lot of videos and YouTube channels that cover this, but at the end of the day, it's like they they let these stories go by the wayside because it's affiliated with, with paranormal. paranormal, and it's like. Why do we do that? You know, why do why do we why do we not hear on the news or see videos and photos in the news that we right, see on the internet? I, I granted a lot of internet stuff is fake, you know? Like I could say within the last three years I've heard three to four paranormal stories from I you know, I don't say any of the news is reputable anymore, but you know, they they mention something. One of which I posted on my my IG page of uh I think in Texas, um a camera caught a wolf figure, which they don't know what it was, and it was standing on two legs, and it, like looking like this, like that was one report that I'm like, oh wow, they posted something that was weird, mm -hmm. and they didn't throw it. Granted, it was like three paragraphs and a photo, but unfortunately, like news does doesn't cover it. You know, some History Channel they do. Your travel channel, you go on travel channel, Discovery Plus is like legitimately 90% paranormal stuff. Right. But, you know, openly the news outlets and media doesn't cover stuff like this. And this is one of those stories that was a big thing. And like I said, the whole story of the Bermuda Triangle and all the occurrences kind of died out. Right. Like early, uh, mid-90s, late-90s. I think people do that because the easiest thing to do in life is give up and just say it was this or it was that and not put too much stock or thought into it because it's difficult to answer these questions. And um, you're, you're either one of two people in life. You're either the person who's intrigued and wants to know more, um, or you're either the person who gives up because it's a, you know, it's, these questions are in the face of adversity. You know, it's the same thing with going to the gym. You know, we like to go to the gym. You're either the person who does it for a lifetime or you're either the person that does it for a couple of years and then, and then, or maybe even a couple of months and quits because it's hard. So, um, that's, that'd be my conclusion is that people generally give up on the harder questions in life, but that's why we're here on the podcast to bring light to the stuff, to get people interested again. You know, I actually, I enjoyed covering this tonight because, you know, again, this is a friend that told me this that's related to someone that was on Flight 19. I like doing, like, the last episode was, you know, Sophia, Seraphim Sakara, and the, you know, we're covering Flight 19 tonight because there's, people don't realize that, you know, it's not, this, this, what I cover, you know, and going into season four, doing a lot of episodes with you, what I cover is just not ghosts and UFOs. They, they, people don't realize that there's so much history involved in paranormal, you know. When I went to, when we went, when we went to Van Cortlandt Park, do you know how much I had to research about why we were going there? Like what happened from, um, was the name Newcomb was the guy's name that slaughtered the Native Americans in Van, Van Cortlandt right, right. Park? I believe it was Newcomb. It was a while ago that I read this. Um, you got to do your research and in paranormal involves research. Every haunted house has a story and the story is from some crazy history. Point in history you know, right? point in history. If, if nothing else, you're learning something about history. Exactly. Right? So like, you know, and, and, and oddly enough, paranormal occurs 
with some crazy thing in history and it was so morbid and and so crazy and and the energy is embedded that paranormal happens but in order to get to investigate you have to literally look through what happened there every show you watch on tv every youtube channel will tell you we're going here to investigate the haunted house of uh bronx new york or yonkers new york on such and such avenue and he you know and this is and this is what goes on here and then when the episode opens what do they do they talk about in 1945 you know jane smith and alex smith were murdered by uh, a robber in this house with an axe and da, 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 and then they go into the history so history is very heavily affiliated with things we do and things we talk about and i i enjoy it especially the last two episodes where you because you know we had to really do research so that we're not just doing an episode blind you right. know what i mean I know it's not the greatest research. It's a little spotty. You can't have all information. That, we, we do have all information at our fingertips. I was just going to say. Access it. Like, I was just. The exact I was, instances. I was just going to say. Is, you know, I went. podcasts are about. I read this stuff for three days. I text you. I called you. You know, beyond the microphone stuff that I was going back and forth. Because we, we are actively looking for better microphones. I'm, I'm sure today's audio will come out a little bit better than the last episodes. We, we apologize as a team. But, um. You know, besides from that stuff, you know, this, what we just covered is what multiple pages on YouTube covered already. Like we literally just went through all the information that we have. So we covered everything in a nutshell, this particular, you know, historical event, plus what we added on with the telegram is all that we know. You got people on a couple of shows, sporadic shows that tried to find the, the flights but th we covered everything right you know we th we touched on it i think we did a hell of a good job on doing that and in the last episode you know and like you said podcasting is you know people people like my wife right you know she's the she she's the theologist of everything i have an uh, ongoing joke with my wife amy like you know she's if she tells me uh pointers on podcasting i'll say oh you're a po you're a podcastologist right and she's uh you know She's a, a fitness guru. And I'm like, oh, you're a fitness guy. I always make a joke like that. But people don't understand is that podcast is not a television show. It's not a movie. There's no script. You go in knowing stuff. You have a computer in front of you. And it. you just talk. Pod that's what podcasts were made to do. It was made to just shoot right, the to, shit. And, and to create an opposition so that when you when we're on social media, we can talk and, and people can enlighten us and we can enlighten them on certain things. If, if you want to go and watch a television show where all the information is there solid then watch tv but if you want to hear people actively talking listening to a podcast is like listening to a conversation right you know you you can't partake you can follow pages and follow the people and dm them and ask them questions they can talk about this can i come on but podcast is like a conversation that unfortunately you can't take part of but it's two people having a conversation and we've all been you know guilty of eavesdropping on conversations and it's like one big eavesdrop and hopefully it's a subject that you enjoy you right. know like this is and it's very 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 clear as day when you click on whether it's spotify odyssey anchor apple podcast when you click the say what again billy podcast it says it right there in the headlines what we cover so hopefully you like that stuff before you go and start listening you know right. what i mean <laughs> so this has been an excellent episode and before i formally thank joey aiella my guest I like to thank the Anchor app by Spotify, 
who gave us the opportunity tonight to record this episode about historical Flight 19 and the disappearance of that flight. And if you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it is the free app that gives you all the tools you need to formulate your own podcast idea and then air it to outlets such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Odyssey, and other outlets that have podcasts. So if you don't have Anchor and you want a podcast and you want to start filming one, go download Anchor by Spotify. Joey Ayala will be joining me long-term on a majority of the episodes in Season 4. So in a few weeks, Joey, we're going to meet again and we're going to do another episode. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me, Billy. It's been a pleasure. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, SWAB underscore podcast, which is short for the Say What Again Billy podcast. And until next time, get those telegrams ready for five years from now, we can send it to each other. This has been another episode of the Say What Again Billy podcast.